0: The following audio is from Life Point Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about Life Point Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, good morning. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. You can grab those, open them up there. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand on up. We'll have some in the back coming around to you. Uh, Romans 5 is where we're going to be. Uh, don't, don't fret. In just a minute, we're going to dismiss the kids. You're like, oh, you forgot that. No. Uh, this is, this is um, my daughter Ellie. Say hi, Ellie. Hi. Ellie, say hi to everyone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie is uh, nine years old, and she is such a joy in my life. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to share with you. Ellie, you did something yesterday. Uh, and You've done a couple times the last couple of years during our neighborhood garage sale. Can you tell us what that was? I had a lemonade stand to raise money for a missions trip to Mexico. So uh, last year, you raised some money, and you wanted to send Bibles to uh, persecuted Christians around the world. And uh, last year, you raised a lot of money. And so this year, you're thinking, I'm not just going to send Bibles. I feel like God is sending me to go. And so this year, you're going to go to Puebla, Mexico. And part of your lemonade stand was to raise money for that. Now, tell us... um, Tell us how much money you raised for that. $157 in on Christmas. Now, uh, the reason why she's up here is not just simply to just tell us uh, I made $157 selling lemonade. Uh, but she just said, you know what, if God's, if God's sending me to go and take the gospel and the good news to people, um, I need to make sure that I'm putting myself out there so that God can provide a way for that to go. And so she's already raised uh, a certain portion of her trip. And so uh, I just want to thank God for that and thank God for your heart to go and do that. Um, the reason why she's up here is because we're starting a new series today talking about the love that God has for us, that we are completely loved by God. And so I wanted, wanted her to share. I was just going to share the story, but I thought, what a better way uh, to have her share the story because it's kind of about her. Is that cool with you guys? And so um, Tuesday, I'll just tell you, Tuesday is a very early and long day for me. I have life group on Tuesday nights, but I get up at about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, really, my alarm goes off at about 5.30. I get up around 6.00. Um, And uh, I come here, and I meet with some other guys on the team and on the staff, and and we basically have staff meeting and prayer and different things like that starting around 6.30. So on Tuesdays, primarily, uh, I leave the house before she even wakes up. And so uh, I'm gone, and I'm gone all day, and then I come home. And typically, this happens a lot of days, but typically on Tuesday, (laughs) something really supernatural happens when I walk in the door. Uh, Tell us how you react when I come home. I come running upstairs and just love on you. Uh, this is uh, unique for me. It's special because uh, she still calls me Daddy. Any fathers out there that still have that Daddy? Uh, Dominic is at the age where uh, he, he, he cherishes me and, and I cherish him. Uh, but he doesn't really call me Daddy much anymore. Uh, but he's getting older because he's too cool. Uh, Laughter. And so I thought I'd put Ellie up here before that time runs out. (laughs) And so Ellie, uh, really on Tuesdays, uh, but it happens a lot. I I come in the door, and she just comes, comes running to me saying, Daddy, Daddy, and, and really before I could put anything down, she kind of jumps on me and hugs me and, and grabs me and does this kind of jungle gym thing with me. Uh, and so uh, we kind of have this moment because I'm expecting it and she's expecting it, and it's kind of this, this, this really awesome moment that we have when I come in the door. Now, tell me, Ellie, um, why would you do that? Because I love you. I love you too, honey. <laughs> That sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so simple. Now, let me ask you, Ellie. um, Mom and I, we have rules and things uh, around our life and around our house. And and So let me ask you, um, have you ever obeyed those things perfectly? No. (laughs) You think she's so sweet. So... So even in the middle of the fact that you've not done everything that we've ever asked you perfectly, you still run to me. Why do you think that is? Because I love you. <laughs> there's something about being, known that you love somebody, but there's also something about knowing that you're loved, that no matter what you've done, you can say, I can run to him, and I can embrace him, and I can love him. Let me ask you, have you ever obeyed God perfectly? No. So how can a perfect, loving God love you even though you've not obeyed perfectly? Because he died on the cross for our sins, and he always forgives us. That's right. Because he died on the cross for our sins, and then he always forgives us. And because of the cross, we can always go to him and run to him and embrace him. Thanks. Thanks for sharing with us. Let me pray for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that uh, your word will speak to our hearts this morning, that they will lay us bare knowing that you absolutely love us and that we can come to you despite any circumstance or any situation, for we need to know that we're loved by you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can take that with you. Kids, you guys can be dismissed Uh, back to your class. Thanks for sharing. Isn't she awesome? (laughs) Romans chapter 5. Like I said, we're going to be starting a new uh, kind of series today talking about being loved. And Romans chapter 5 is going to kind of set the stage for us. I'm so glad... Um, that God has blessed me with with children that I can actually love on them. Romans 5, starting in verse 1, talking about uh, being justified because of Christ through faith. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's been this separation from us and God because of our disobedience, but now we've been justified by faith through Christ uh, and now we have peace with God. And so the reason why we can run to God, the reason why we can uh, cling to God, the reason why we can trust in God is because we've been justified through Jesus Christ. Look in verse two. Through him, through Jesus We have also obtained access by faith. Okay, so being loved by God and loving God by faith, being justified, gives us access to something. It says we have obtained some sort of access to something by this faith. What is this access, Eric? Well, I'm going to tell you. It says into this grace in which we stand. And so here's the deal. Grace is receiving a gift that we don't deserve, namely the love of God. And so we've received grace that we don't deserve because faith enables this grace to be poured out upon us. Watch what it says. In which we stand, we stand in this grace and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So not only do we rejoice in grace, not only do we rejoice in God's love, but we hope in God's love because it reveals to us the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4.6, it says that the glory of God is seen through the face of Jesus Christ. And so, if you want to talk about what is the glory of God, you want to talk about what it means to stand in the glory of God. It's meaning to stand in the one and only Jesus Christ. Verse three. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. That's kind of weird. How would we rejoice in our sufferings if we we're there? If there's peace with God, uh, how do we still suffer? But we do rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that. That suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's, what's that word? God's love, hope does not put us to shame because the Bible says that God's love has been poured into our hearts. Did you, did you hear Ellie this morning? She's saying, listen, I run to you because I know that you love me. I know that I'm loved by you. I know that you love me and I love you. And so there is a love that God has for us. Look at what it says. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Eric, how does God's love pour into our hearts? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's one thing to say God loves us. It's one thing to know scriptures that point to the fact that God is love. And it's one thing to have those scriptures memorized, the truth memorized It says, see, God says that he loves us, but this says that God's love is actually poured Where? into my heart it's in my heart and the only way that it can be poured into my heart is not just simply knowledge of things but actually through the holy spirit that god's given us look in verse six for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly any ungodly people in the house Okay, and so Christ died for those who are ungodly. Listen, Ellie said it this morning. She said, she said, I've never obeyed perfectly. I'm not able to obey perfectly, but Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person one might dare even die. But God shows his, give me that word, His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so God demonstrates his love for us in both word and deed. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit says to your heart, I love you. You are mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to you in your heart. That's word. But he also shows you that he loves you by going to the cross. He demonstrates this word that says, I love you, and he demonstrates it through, I'm going to die for your sins. And so God not only reveals his love for us through the Holy Spirit, not only does he tell us that he loves us, but he shows us by absorbing the penalty of sin on our behalf, love is displayed through word and deed. Isn't being loved good Let me tell you something. Being loved by my kids is good. Amen? Being loved by my bride is good. Being loved, it's it's a wonderful thing, is it not? If you've ever experienced being loved, it is magnificent, is it not? And so here we are today asking ourselves, isn't being loved by God great? When the Holy Spirit tells you in your heart, I love you. When when he displays his love for you through the cross. The question I want to answer today is why? Why is being loved so good? Why is being loved by God the greatest thing? And, and some of you say, Eric, come on. I mean, that's, that's easy, right? Being loved by God is good and being loved is good because it feels good. Amen? I mean, it feels good. It makes me feel good. It makes much of me. It it makes me happy. It makes my smile. When my daughter comes and puts her arms around me and says, I love you, daddy. And my son comes and puts his arms around me and says, I love you. And when my wife comes and embraces me and tells me, I love you, Eric. That feels good, does it not? It feels good. It, It feels good to be loved. And so the greatest thing is to be loved by the greatest one, that's God. And that feels good to me. When you're loved, you're given something that's good. Is being loved by God the greatest thing because it makes us feel good? Why is being loved by God so good for us? Why do we want to be loved? Let me ask you. Why do you want to be loved? Why do you want to be loved by God? Let's compare this to forgiveness, all right? Can we do that? Let's say that I've wronged my wife, which never happens. <laughs> but let's just say that I've done that. Okay, so let's say, let's say, um, let's say I've wronged my wife, and I want forgiveness. Why, why do I want forgiveness? So I go to my wife and say, sweetheart, will you, will you forgive me? And so the question is, why do I want that type of forgiveness? Is it because, well, um, I have convictions? Is it because my conscience is killing me? You know what? I did something wrong, and my conscience just can't really bear it anymore, and so I've got to admit that I've done something wrong, and my conscience — and I, I, I'm losing sleep over it, and there's this tension in the house, and there's this tension in my relationship. And so I don't want to lose sleep anymore. And I don't want to bear this weight anymore that says, oh, you know, my conscience is killing me. I have this shame. I have this guilt. Anybody felt shame or guilt? All right. And so I don't want to bear this shame. I don't want to bear this guilt anymore. I don't want to bear this thing. And so I need to ask for forgiveness. Or, or maybe uh, every time I walk in the room, there's this tension. She kind of turns away from me and I kind of ignore her a little bit or something like that and I don't like that tension so I need to ask for forgiveness maybe I've wronged her so much that I'm actually afraid that she's going to do something to me and so why do I ask for forgiveness because I want my conscience cleansed. Is it because I want that tension to be removed? Is it so I can finally get a good night's sleep? Is it so finally I can get that fear that's kind of lingering over me—that something bad's going to happen to me—be that removed? Is that why I'm asking for forgiveness? Or could it be that I just miss my wife? Or or, or could it be that? that because of this thing that I've done, it's, it's separated us? Could it be that there is division now in our relationship and I want my wife back? Because there's a separation between our communication, there's a separation between how we touch and how we feel and how we embrace, and there is a disconnect now because of this thing that I've done, and I want forgiveness because I want to be reunited back with my wife. So it's not so easy. Why is it good to be loved by God? Why do you want to be loved by God? Flip over to John chapter 11. Interesting text. It's about the life of Jesus. And he was away from a place called Bethany where he had loved ones. And a message was sent to Jesus. I believe that if we would begin to see the good that comes out of being loved by God, it will change your life. Okay? It will change your life. And so I'm wrestling and I'm struggling and I'm asking God to show me this. But, but watch this. Uh, chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a certain man was ill. His name was Lazarus of Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so you've got this kind of family here. You've got Mary. You've got Lazarus. You've got Martha all there. Lazarus gets sick. And so the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, him who you, give me that word, love is sick. Jesus, hey, uh, uh, hey, I needed to tell you something. Uh, Lazarus, the one that you loved, he's sick. But when Jesus heard it, when he heard the news, he said, This illness, does not lead to death, but it is for the glory of God. And the glory of God is revealed through Jesus Christ. And so he's saying that this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, you have two aspects serving on the table right here, which is love and the glory of God. It says that Jesus loved him but there's a compelling factor on the glory of God. How do they mix? Watch this. Verse 5. Now Jesus, give me that word, loved Martha. Now, man, how many, how many of you have ever been in your day trying to figure out, am I loved by God? You know, we we live our lives asking ourselves if we're loved by God, and if we're having a good day and it's 80 degrees outside and the sun is shining and everything's in line, then I must feel loved by God. Amen? But if I'm having a bad day and my brother's sick and he's about to die, do I feel really loved then? Our love, the way we feel loved, is circumstantial through our situation. Now watch what happens. Now, Jesus loved Martha. I love how he puts it there. He loved Martha and he loved her sister and he loved Lazarus. So, because he loved them, therefore, because he loved Martha, he loved Mary, he loved Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, what did he do? He stayed two days longer in the place that he was, and he let Lazarus die. (coughs) Now, that does something to our theology, doesn't it? That does something to my life when I'm on this journey to know that I'm loved by God. That the Bible says that Jesus loved them, yet he stayed. Jesus is motivated by the glory of God. And he's motivated so that they would see the glory of God. Seeing God's glory, which is revealed through Jesus Christ. So I'll say it this way. Seeing Jesus is... God showing his love. Seeing the glory of God is love. Being loved by God is all about seeing the glory of God. And so when you see the glory of God, then you know that you're loved. Now, let me tell you something. Write this down. If you take notes or put this in your mind right now, God shows that we are loved by doing whatever is necessary At whatever cost, to show that we would see and be satisfied in the glory of God. God shows us that we are loved by God doing whatever, whatever it takes, even if it means staying two days longer, at whatever cost, so that you and I would see and know the glory of God, the goodness of God. The, the overwhelming awe of God. John 17:24. Listen to this. This is Jesus praying. He says, "Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory." Did you hear that prayer? He says, he says, Father, I desire that they who you gave me will be with me. That's my prayer. Not necessarily healing, not necessarily doing these things that you're wanting me to do, but my prayer is that they would be with me where I am so that they would what? See my glory. See my glory. Jesus loves you and prays for you. And you know what he desires for you? That you would see him. That you would see him. And that you would know him. And that you would treasure him. I pray that Jesus would walk into the front door of your life on a Tuesday afternoon. And no matter what has befallen your day, He would say, he loves me, and he's doing whatever it takes at whatever cost so that I could run to him and know him and see him. That we would rejoice over him. There is a rejoicing that takes place in my foyer on Tuesday afternoon when I walk in the door. I pray that there is rejoicing in your life on Tuesday afternoon when maybe some hard things have befallen you, whether you're obedient or not obedient, that you would still find the fact that you are loved by God and you would run to him so that you would see his glory and his goodness. That is the ultimate prayer of love. Do you know in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, there's a story of Paul, and it says that he was, uh, he was humbled, right? from being, uh, being conceited by giving a thorn in his flesh. You know that story? He says he's given a thorn in his flesh. It was a messenger from Satan so that he would not get puffed up. And this thing was given to him. And you know what it says that he does? It says that he pleads with God three times to have this thing taken away. Have you ever asked God to do something? Take this thing away. This thing's hurting me. This thing's bothering me. This thing's causing me sorrow. This thing's causing me pain. This thing, I don't like it. It's like a rock in my shoe. I need it out. Paul doesn't pray. God, your will be done. It's a strong prayer, but that's not what he does. Sometimes we don't know what God desires for us. We don't know what God's doing. So we just simply chalk up to say, you know what? uh, God, just do what you want to do. But really, we want this thing out. And so he doesn't just say, God, do what you want to do. He says, God, remove it. He asks God, remove it. Take it away. Three times it says he pleads with God. I'm sure it's not just a, Just a a prayer over the meal type of prayer. When he prays, have this thing removed. Do you know what happens? He hears the voice of God. And Jesus becomes his comforter, not the lack of the thorn. Jesus becomes his comfort in the middle of the fact that he has a thorn. What what does he say? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he, who's the he there? Jesus says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. That is what God is after to be enough in your weakness. Guys, hear me. Jesus is not after delight and, and hospitality. He's not after this health, wealth, or breath. He's after showing you there is a power being made perfect in all of your weakness. Even when he says, no, I'm not going to Lazarus. Even when he says, no, I'm not removing the thorn because my power is only made perfect in your weakness. Love does not raise Lazarus right away. He stays. Love does not remove the thorn. Love reveals the glory of God. Being loved sometimes means giving us something more important than what we're asking God for. Being loved means sometimes God gives us Something more important than what we're pleading for, which is himself. Being loved, I mean, God wants to give us something more satisfying. Being loved is not because he just gives us what we ask for, but rather being loved is the most wonderful thing. Because no matter what befalls my life, no matter what comes my way, being loved reveals the fact that God is all-sufficient. So, why is being loved by God the most wonderful thing? Hmm? It's because when we say, God, help me, you ever said that? When we say, God, help me, when we cry out, to God. When we say, God, forgive me, he just doesn't say, okay. He actually runs to you and meets you right where you are. And God says, I'm going to do whatever it takes, no matter what the cost, to reveal myself to you. Sometimes I need that. Jesus says, I will give you me. Okay, now hear me. How many of you know John three sixteen? How many of you know that verse? The most popular verse, most quoted verse, probably the most memorized verse in all of the Bible. How's it go? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what's the best thing about being loved by God? You know what we say? We say it's not perishing. That's the best thing. What's the best thing about being loved by God? It's eternal life. That's what I get because when I'm loved, I get something good. Is that the best thing? We memorize this verse and we say, I'm not perishing. And eternal life is the best thing about being loved by God. How many of you know John 17, 3? Shoot that one up there. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. The best thing about not perishing and the best thing about eternal life is that you get to know God. That's the best thing for us. The best thing about my daughter loving me and me loving my daughter, the best thing about me loving my son and my son loving me, the best thing about me loving my wife and my life. My wife loving me is that I get to enjoy them. Do you see it? It's one thing to just say, I love you. I love you too. Oh, oh, we have this love and it makes me feel good. But it's another thing that that love leads us to enjoying one another. And the best thing about being loved by God is that you get to enjoy him forever. Is that not the best? So why? Why? Why are we loved by God? Yeah, so we won't perish. Yeah, so we'll have eternal life. Yeah, so we get out of hell. Yeah, so our sins can be forgiven. But the best thing about our sins being forgiven is that we get to know God. My kids display their love for me and I display my love for them. And it feels good because it allows me to personally know them. Hear me. Until we realize That the best thing about being loved by God is treasuring God, then we'll spend our lives trying to please him, a God that's already pleased. Being loved allows me to see and enjoy Jesus forever. Do you know what the American definition of love is? You know what it is? It's being made much of. Being made much of. And so you know what we do? We take God and we whittle him down to this American definition that God is love. And because God is love, he makes much of me. That puts me in the spotlight. That puts me at the center. And so, you know what we do? We question this understanding that will God do whatever it takes at whatever cost to show us His glory? Making much of Him. And so, you know what I'm longing for to feel loved? I just want someone to clap for me. (laughs) Ever feel that? I just want someone to make much of me. I just want someone to rejoice over me. I just want someone to friend me and approve me and give me praise and give me acknowledgement and give me that raise that I've worked so hard or that promotion that I've won so badly or that degree that I've, that I've come to earn. And so I come up on the stage and people <laughs> applaud for me and say, yes, yes. And you know what? We long for that. And we think that if we get that approval, if we get that applause, if we get that loved feeling, then that will finally satisfy our hearts. It won't. It's a lie. It never will. You will be satisfied when you realize You're already loved. And you begin to forget yourself and fix your eyes on Jesus to know and delight in him forever. That's the greatest thing about being loved. You can spend your whole life trying to earn something that's already yours. And miss out on the relationship that God has for you. When you know you're loved. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. You'll run to him no matter what. I think the reason why we don't run to God. Is because we think that somehow deep down God's not pleased with us. Jesus paid all. And if that's true, then I can spend more time pursuing the lover rather than the feeling of being loved. Why would we not pursue the lover? Let's do that today. Amen. Jesus. You are the lover of my soul. And Lord, today I know that I've done many things wrong. And even as a pastor sitting in this stool so many times, I I struggle with approval. Lord, approval from people, but more approval from you. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would remind us, God, that the cross was enough. Lord, that you don't, you don't love me someday. You don't love me on the day that I finally get it right or do well. But, Lord, you loved me while I was a sinner. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to our hearts right now that you would reveal the fact that you absolutely love us. And Lord, that we would stand in that and that we would rejoice in that and that we would pursue you as our lover and not just an emotion or a feeling of being loved. Because loved is who I am and I'm wanting you. I want to know you and I'm running to you like a nine-year-old runs to her daddy. Jesus, fill us up today. In your great name, amen. Amen. As the worship team comes up,